Welcome to Southridge. How are you doing this morning? Doing good? All right. Welcome to Southridge and our series at the movies, where each Sunday in the month of uh, July, we're looking at a different movie and we're pulling faith out of films. And today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter number two. How many of you, you are Marvel fans? Any Marvel fans in the house? How many of you are like, I'm a DC fan? It's all about DC. All right, okay. The exit is to my left and your right. If you're a DC fan in the house, no, just kidding. We uh, don't discriminate here. We will pray for you, DC fans, because you can't make a movie right. But that's okay. Neither here nor there. You'll eventually get it, okay? When it comes to Marvel, I love their movies. They're so much fun, and it's a blast to see. My wife, Jane, who's sitting on the front, my right, your left. She uh, told me one day, she was like, babe, you look just like Captain America. And I was like, oh, girl. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Where do you want to go out to dinner tonight? I'm taking you out in the town. She was like, before he came Captain America. Man, that little shrimpy guy. I was like, you know we can get this whole thing annulled, right? You know we could just like, I could, I could go somewhere else. She was like, you can't find anybody else. You're stuck with me. I was like, yeah, you're right. Okay, all right. So welcome to Southridge. It's fun to talk about movie heroes. How many of you, you were like, man, uh, Captain America is definitely my favorite Avenger. How many Avengers? He's your favorite. Okay, mostly ladies raising their hand on that one. Uh, that's one weird. And uh, how many of you are like, no, 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 it's all about Iron Man. Iron Man's in the house. Okay. How many of you are glad that Spider-Man came back? Homecoming, Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, there we go. Oh, Spider-Man has it for sure, for sure. I liked Captain America. It was the first Avenger. It's one of their highest grossing Avengers, um, and it's just one of those great characters. I know DC tried to knock off Captain America. Many of you liked Wonder Woman. Anybody seen Wonder Woman? I saw that was a great Captain America film, wasn't it? Same time period. Both take place in Germany. Both have shock troops that help them. And they both end with the plane crashing to save the world. Hmm, I think I've seen this movie before. That is great. It's fine. It's okay. DC, they're one profitable film. They had a copy of Marvel. It's totally fine. It's all good. We'll let it slide this time. But it's fun. I do enjoy Captain America. But what I love is the fact that uh, he was made for a purpose. There was a reason. There was a point behind him. It wasn't just where Peter Parker was just kind of uh, uh, bitten and he just kind of got his superpowers. It wasn't just Batman where it's all about revenge. It was the fact that he had a purpose. You and I this morning, we have a purpose. I don't know if you go to church. I don't know if Christianity is your thing. I don't know if you even believe what we talk about out of the Bible. Some of you, you attend Southridge regularly. You would call Southridge your home. And so you grew up, you know the Bible, but some may be here or maybe you invited somebody and you're not sure about this whole thing. So I want to just tell you right here, right now, that you were designed for a purpose. Because I believe that no matter what, even if you uh, believe in God or believe in the Bible, I believe that you have this desire inside of you where you just feel like there's more out there. Where you just feel like you were made for more. That you just feel that there's something. I mean, you go to your job or you go to uh, hang out with your friends and there's just some desire inside of you. There's just something missing where you just know there's something inside where I'm made for more. Touch your neighbor and say, you're made for more this morning. Just let them know you're made for more. This life is not all there is. There's more to it than this. And so we're made for more this morning. There's so much more that God has for you, wants to do through you. And so we're going to see that this morning as we look at not only this film, but also as we look at what this guy by the name of Paul says to a church. And this church existed about 1,500 years ago. And this church, the church of Ephesus, he writes this church and he's going to talk to them and he's going to give them some information. He's He's going to tell them this letter. And he writes a letter by hand. And in chapter 2, 
he writes some, some specific verses. And I want to begin reading in verse number 8 through verse number 10. Just three verses, but I believe they'll be impactful. Verse number 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. And you could just stop there. You could just stop there. And if you just meditate on that, you just thought deeply about that. For we are God's handiwork. Another word for handiwork could be masterpiece. Or you could just stop that where Paul just says, hey, we are God's. We're not our own. We're his. And uh, this guy, Paul, has this reoccurring theme throughout any of his letters that he wrote was that we're not our own. And not only are we not our own, he wanted to make sure that we knew this earth, this life is not about us. Now, it's tricky because today you've been to a graduation. You, you were there at your high school graduation, maybe your college graduation. Or nowadays, it seems like they're starting younger and younger with the whole find your passion speech. You ever been to one of those? Find your passion. Just look for your passion. And, and if, if you find your passion, you'll never work a day in your life because you'll be doing what you love. And it's all about your passion. And, man, you just hear about it at graduations. And we passed graduation season. And it seemed like everybody was talking about their passion. And maybe you had to give a speech and you talked about passion too. And, and no uh, knock in it. It's just what people do. And it just seems like we're doing it younger and younger. Kindergartners, find your passion. Color inside the lines. You know, if you're going to be a, a finger painter, then be the best finger painter. And, and you know, and, and if you you're going to pick your nose, be the best nose picker there can be. You know, we went out to dinner with some friends yesterday and we're waiting for a parking spot and the guy pulls up and he's looking for another parking spot. And he's just, you just kind of look over and, 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 and you look over and you just catch him and he's digging for gold. And I was like, babe, look at that. She was like, that's disgusting. I was like, go buddy, go, come on. You can do it. You know, he's just going to town. And I, I like making people feel a little bit awkward. So I just stared at him and I was like, I can't wait till he looks over at me. And I'm going to be like, eat it eat it. Yeah. Do it. You know, I was my wife was like, stop it. Stop it. And I was like, we're about to go have dinner. So she was getting grossed out, but I just, people are funny. I like to people watch this. It's just kind of funny. And, uh, you know, so it's just crazy uh, what people do. And you can see little kids doing that. And we're, we're talking about our passion, but what happens is today we obsess about what we're passionate about. So we kind of put passion in the driver's seat. The only thing you might be like me is I'm passionate about different things during different days of the week and at different times and hours of the day. And depending on what show or movie I've watched right now, I just saw Captain America. I want to go to the gym. I don't know why I want to go to the gym. I don't normally want to go to the gym, but I want to eat right and I want to go to the gym all of a sudden. Why? Because I want a six pack abs and I can't go to bed and eat donuts and have six pack abs. I wish that would be awesome, but I can't, but certain things can motivate us. Can't they? What is that? That's just passion. But what happens is if we let passion drive, passion will fizzle out. So we need something deeper, and that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. He's saying that we are gods, but God created us, but he created us to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That means that God says, I created you. You're a masterpiece. Another word for this would be uh, specifically made for a job that God has specifically for you. And it's not about you finding your passion. It's about you finding your purpose this morning. And many of us are trying to chase our passions, but you're like me. You might be passionate about golf. You might be passionate about sports. You might be passionate about weightlifting, cooking, arts, photography, your passion change, but your purpose doesn't. Your purpose doesn't. 
Passions change, purpose doesn't. What you were created for does not change. Now, all of us came wearing clothes to church, which is good. We appreciate that. Thank you for putting clothes on your body this morning. But if you grab part of your clothing, there's a tag. And the tag says who made it, where it was made, and who created it. Who's the designer? Maybe it's Gucci. Maybe it's Armani. Maybe it's Target. We don't judge. We don't discriminate. But it has a tag. Did you know your body has a tag? And God's tag on you says, hey, I'm made by God. I'm made by God. And uh, so we, we understand that that's who made us. You have a designer this morning. There was somebody who designed you. He custom made you. You're a one of a kind. Now, it's not me now talking about a snowflake speech where you're a special. No, no. What I'm trying to go with this morning is the fact that God has a plan specifically for you. And some of you, you're chasing that. That's what that more, that desire is. But you haven't found it yet. And you're still looking for it. And you've tried a lot of different things. You know, I'm looking at two television monitors, and they have a specific task. They were created for a specific purpose. Now, this morning, when I woke up, I made a cup of coffee, and I put it in the microwave to get it a little bit hotter. And uh, if I were to come this morning with that cup of coffee and pour my coffee on this TV and say, now, TV, heat up my coffee, that's not, I'd ruin the TV, wouldn't I? And it's a silly illustration because the TV was not designed. It was not created to heat up coffee. It was created to show an image. That's what it was created for. Now, my microwave was not created to show an image. It was created to heat things up, to warm things up. You were created with a very specific task. Now, what happens is when you step outside of your creation, what, uh, outside of that, then things go wrong. And some of you, you stepped outside of your purpose, and you even feel it. It's like your car being out of alignment. You can feel it. You, you can feel that, man, this doesn't seem like it's an alignment. Here's somebody's widely said, get in proper alignment and you'll get the right assignment. If you will get in proper alignment, you will get the proper assignment. So this morning, if you will get in line with what God has for you. So understanding first and foremost, whether you believe the Bible or not, understand that God says you're mine. I created you. I loved you. Someone has wisely said the two greatest days in your life are the day you're born and the day you figure, find out why. The day you discover why you're born. The day you were born and then the day you discover why you're born. Because why? Your life has a purpose and it's bigger than you. Now, here's what you and I do. You're probably like me. You want to see the big picture, don't you? you God, show me what I'm going to do one day. God, give it all to me right now. I just want to know what I'm going to do with my life for the impact. But I'm here to tell you this morning, you couldn't handle it if God showed it to you. Many of you are stepping back and you're kind of irritated, a little bit miffed at God because you're like, God, why aren't you just revealing it to me? Because you wouldn't be ready for it. And you wouldn't know what to do with it if you could. I mean, couldn't you imagine me sitting down with my 15-year-old and 15-month-old Cain and saying, now, Cain, this is trigonometry, all right? You need to learn this. He's 15 months old. He would look at it. He would chew on it. He would drool on it. And then he'd walk away. He doesn't know. Imagine me going to Austin. Austin would probably stab me in my eye. You know, he would just be like, do not give me trigonometry. Why? He can't handle it. But now if I were to go to somebody who's 16 or 17 in high school and say, hey, you need to learn this, guess what? They'd be like, all right, I think I, think I can do it. Why? Because they have a foundation of math that they built on, so they're ready to now learn it and to now use that math. You see, some of us, we're like, God, just reveal your will. And God's like, you couldn't handle it if I wanted it to. Anybody have to wear glasses in the house? You have to wear glasses, contacts. Remember when you had to go for that old school eye test and they put that little machine 
And then the uh, optometrist says, tell me when it gets clear. And the first time they put it over your eyes, it's blurry. Everything's just really blurry. And you're like, oh, man, it almost hurts. It's blurry. And so then you hear the clicking sound. They're like, click, how about now? You're like, that's a little bit better. And they were like, click, how about now? Click, how about now? And things start coming more and more into focus. Here's what I'm learning about my walk with God. I couldn't handle at 15 years old the vision God has given me now. And guess what? I can't handle now the vision that God has for me when I'm 40 or the vision that God has for me at 50. But what God is revealing to me is, Micaiah, if you will take one step, guess what? Things become clear. It's like the automatrist. If I will just take a simple step in the direction, if I will just take a step in the direction, if I'll just do something, I'll find that I'm clicking closer to where God wants for me. And some of you, you're waiting. God, if you would just tell me what you want me to do, then I'll start serving you. Then I'll help my neighbors. Then I'll love my coworkers. But God, I just need the full vision. But what's happening is you're not doing nothing right now. And God created you to do something. Number one, please write this down. You were made to make a difference. It's simple, isn't it? It's simple. You were made to make a difference. But what often happens is we step back and we start asking ourselves questions that are a little bit self-motivated. What do I want to do with my life? Now, it's not a bad question. It's just what we typically start off with. And what's happening is we're having high school students and junior hires ask themselves this question. What do I want to do? Or what do I feel like I'm good at? And the emphasis is always on ourselves. And we wonder why we live in a society, in a culture where it seems like we're, we're relying on medication more and more. We have suicides at a higher rate because why? We're more focused on ourselves. And what happens is statistics will tell us the more you focus on yourself, the more you get upset and disappointed and disillusioned. Why? Because God never meant for us to live a life for ourselves. He meant for us to live a life that's bigger than us. And I'm telling you, the potential and the purpose that's in this room is mind-boggling. What God has for you is huge. It's bigger than you. And some of us were so frustrated because we don't understand that we were simply made to make a difference. Now, that difference could be simple. It could be the fact that this week, God's going to have you encourage someone. God's going to have you help someone. God's going to have you help move that neighbor. God's going to help you with that coworker. You're going to pick up a project or maybe the fact that you might start serving at church. And it's not that, oh, you got to serve at church, but here's what I've noticed. If people aren't serving at church, they usually don't serve anywhere else. It's, it's not like, well, I already go to the soup kitchen. Sometimes we don't. Some of you might, but what the church is trying to do is to try to say, hey, we were made to make a difference. So how are we making a difference? What we plan on doing and what we've done at this community center is we want to make a difference in our neighborhood and we want to do that at our new facility. So we were made to make a difference. So how are we making a difference? What are we doing to see that come to fruition, to see it. How are we helping others? And see, your life, as you take a step, you'll see that things become clear. Uh, we talk about calling some t- sometimes. And we've seen that as you take a step, the calling gets clearer. It's almost if I was going to try to talk to you. And if I'm, if I'm here and you're at the back of the room and I don't have this microphone... Because we're closing the distance. As you take a step towards God, you hear him clear. You can see what he wants for you. And some of us, that's a, come to church is that first start. Come in here. And that's why we want you here. It's why we believe you should be here. Because you're wondering about your purpose. You're wondering what God has for you. You know you're made for more. You know it. You don't have to go to church to know that. Everybody kind of feels it. There's a sense that I have a divine destiny. And so that first step helps you to realize it. So we need to head towards that. You see, we say it like this at Southridge. We're rivers, not reservoirs. You say, what do you mean? You see, God has filled us with his love. But what happens is when it comes to God's love, we act like we're going to run out. 
So we become reservoirs. Any of you ever gone to a reservoir? It just takes in, just kind of takes in, kind of takes in. Sometimes they can begin to smell, can't they? But a river doesn't smell. Why? Because it's not stagnant. The water is flowing. God wants you and I to be a river where his love, his joy, his peace, his goodness can flow through us. But what happens too often is the church is known for being a reservoir. They just take people in. They never send people out. You see, buildings do not change lives. What happens in them changes lives. And so we come here. We gather to scatter. We want to be encouraged. We want to be helped. And we want to send people out. And so we need to understand that we're a reservoir. We're a river not a reservoir. We don't just take in. And so if you've been coming to Southridge and you've been a part of this community, we want you to get on board. We want you to be a part of some things. At this new building, we've got to start a new ministry. We've got to have now our janitorial ministry. It goes in and cleans the building. We've never had to do that before. We need now a new parking lot ministry because we have a parking lot we've got to manage. We've got new things we need to do. There's new things that we've got to embrace, new challenges. There's a high school right down the street. And after school, you're going to see hundreds and hundreds of high school students. So we're going to need to start a student ministry. It doesn't meet at seven o'clock at night, but it meets at three o'clock in the afternoon when you have hundreds of high school students that otherwise are going to join gangs. They're going to get into drugs. They're going to get into things they shouldn't get into. So we need to be there and say, Hey, how can we impact our community? Because we're a river. We're not a reservoir this morning. Amen. Amen. That's what we're supposed to be. So this morning we're seeing that God made us to make a difference. That's how you're made. You're made to make a difference and God wants you to, and you can't. Some of you are thinking, well, it's too big. No, no, take that step. My mom, she grew up in San Leandro, and uh, she did not grow up in a Christian home. Her parents did not go to church. They wanted nothing to do with God. Even to this day, my grandparents, they're in their early 90s. They still want nothing to do with God. We need to pray for them. And uh, so she grew up in that home, but somebody invited her to church and she gave her life to Christ. She received Christ. She became a Christian at eight years old. And she on her own at eight years old began to go to church. Nobody made her, nobody forced her, but she just decided to go on her own. And she started to make a decision. She didn't know what God had for her. She didn't know the decisions that she was gonna make down the road, but she started going to church. And as she kept going to church, then she began to help out in her Sunday school class. And as she got a little bit older, she began to help out in the junior high group. And then as she got a little older in high school, there was an opportunity to go on a mission trip. So at 15 years old, she would go to New Mexico and she'd work on an Indian reservation in New Mexico. And she would do that in her summer times and she'd come back. And that led her to hear about a little college in Wisconsin. Now, can I tell you something about Wisconsin? There's nothing in Wisconsin, all right? So why would a girl from the Bay Area want to go to a little town called Watertown, Wisconsin? Has anybody heard of Watertown, Wisconsin in here? Didn't think so. Wait, there is one. There is one. There's always one person ruining my illustration. Man, no, I'm just kidding. It's great to have you. And, uh, you know, there's it's one of those things where, where when it comes to little town, it's like, why would you want to go there? But she just simply said, I'm going to take a little step. And God began to reveal some things, got clearer and clearer because there was a guy, a redheaded guy, six foot something, and he was from a little city and he heard about this college and he went to that college. And God knew that my mom needed to meet my dad. And because my mom's from California, my dad, he heard about California and he wanted to go where their stuff was actually happening. And so he decided to stop milking cows and getting cheese. And so he decided to move to California. So he moves out here. They plan a church. They have seven kids. And then you see that, that, that it all led to this moment. Now, if God would have revealed that all to her, it would have blown her mind. Like, how is that all going to happen? But it was one little step. And this morning, I want to I make it so easy for you that you just got to take that one step. And for some of you, that first step may just this morning that you say, I've been running from God and I'm done running from God. I'm going to receive Jesus as my savior. I'm going to make him the Lord of my life. I'm tired of doing things my own way. So I'm taking that step today. Maybe that day for you. And it's got to be that decision because you were made to make a difference. But I want to show you one more clip from this next movie, uh, same movie, but I want to show you this clip. 
because I think it's going to impact the second point that we have. Let me show it to you. When you brought a 90-pound asthmatic onto my army base, I let it slide. I thought well, maybe it'd be useful to you, like a gerbil. <laughs> Look at that. He's making me cry. Hodge passed every test we gave him. He's big, he's fast, he obeys orders, he's a soldier. He's a bully. You don't win wars with niceness, doctor. You win wars with guts. Get away! Get back! The dummy grenade. Is this a test? He's still skinny. Do you see what everybody else did? They ran away. You see, if we're going to make a difference, you know what we, number two, have to do? We have to arrest our indifference. You see, you and I, we pass people, we pass problems, we pass places every single day that need our help. But yet it's our indifference towards the fact that they need our help. We're indifferent towards our neighbor. We know that they're struggling, but we think, no, not a big deal. We're indifferent towards our coworker that we know they come in late from work. We're indifferent to people that are working two and three jobs. We're indifferent to our neighbors. We're indifferent to our communities. And we just see the problems. We think, well, somebody else will. I pay my taxes, so they will. But instead, we need to see that we are the answer to the problem, that we are the solution. And you may be sitting here this morning in our apathy, sitting here in a comfortable place, and you're excited about the new building. You're excited that we're going to have padded chairs. You're excited you want it to set up anymore, even though most of you didn't help tear down or set up. But you're excited about all this stuff. But guess what? Yeah, I said it, and it happens. And uh, uh, yeah, just go there, all right? And so when it comes to getting involved, you're excited. Oh, a new building, I get to do less. No, no, we get to do more, amen? We're not going to do less. We're going to go more. There's more to do. There's more people to reach. There's more things we have to do. We can't just sit back in our indifference. We need to once again be the church that is in the community. It's so too long where people in the community look at the church and think, man, I just wish they weren't there. I just wish they would take their hypocrisy. They would take their little religion and go somewhere else. But we need to be the church that says, you know what? We care about people. We're here to make a difference. I don't have much, but what I have, I'm going to take it. I'm going to do something with it. That's what God's called us to be. And that's what Paul is writing. It's the whole reason why he wrote this letter to this church because this church had got comfortable this church had got complacent and now this church needed to get woken up a little bit and needed to get woke and they were too busy walking around getting on instagram doing kiki do you love me and they got too much into that instead of actually doing what really mattered okay and uh, my wife gave, bet me that i wouldn't do it and i did it you owe me and uh we're so wrapped up in our own things and we're so full of busyness. And I get the Silicon Valley. I get it. But yet you're telling me you don't have time for a coworker. You don't have time for relatives and family. You don't have time to say, I'm going to make a difference. You don't have time to serve one hour a week. You have time to take and take and take, but then you're just a reservoir and you wonder why you're depressed. You wonder why you're discouraged. I'm going to say it like this. It should not sit well with you. If you are a regular attender of Southridge and you never help out. Now, if you're a guest here, welcome. We love you. You come in, you explore, you find out if this is a fit for you. I'm not talking to you right now. So if you get upset, don't, I'm not talking. I'm talking to the people that call Southridge home. If you are here and you're happy and fine that everybody else is paying the price, understand when you go into the new building, you sit in that seat. Guess what? You're sitting in somebody else's sacrifice. 
Because there were people that showed up at 6 a.m. to get that building ready for us next week. And they stayed till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And there were people that they showed up. Well, some of us, we just walk in and we just want, well, I don't like the color of the paint. Or I don't like this. I don't like the music. I don't, wait, wait, you don't, no, no, no. That's not what the, our attitude is. Our attitude is, I'm here to serve. I'm here to make a difference. And you can be a part of it. You can do something. Because we've got to arrest our indifference here. We've got to step back and say, I'm here to, so God can use me. I'm here so something great can happen. While everybody else is running away, will you jump on the grenade? Will you say, hey, here's a job. I'm going to do it. And if you never have that prodding inside of you, then something might be wrong. Something might be wrong. If there's something where you can look at a person who doesn't look like you, act like you, and you feel like, ah, I don't want to be around them, something may be wrong. Check your spirit. If you see everybody else serving while well, you're just over there and you're not, and you call yourself a Christian, you might want to step back and say, wait a minute, should I be helping? If you see somebody on the side of the road with a flat tire and you're thinking, man, I should help them, or if you see a neighbor who's struggling, you're not, there should be something natural for a Christ follower where we just want to help people any way we can. Then we want to pray for somebody. We want to be there because God has a plan for you. And you say, I don't have all the talents. Guess what? I don't have all the answers either, but I'm going to do what I can. And you and I, we need to do what we can. I got a 15 month old. His name's Cain. And I don't know if your kids do this, but my son Cain, he likes to point. Any of you have kids that they point at stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, and, uh, but Cain points at anything and everything and nothing like Cain. There's nothing. There's not what there's not. It's sky. It's sky. Cain. What are you pointing at? Uh, and, I, and so Jane and I, we humor him. We point at nothing too. So we were at the, the zoo. Uh, we were at the shins. We were at the zoo. And Kane is like pointing. And then sometimes I'll just mess with him and I want to get Kane's attention. So I'll just point at nothing. And then so I'm pointing at nothing. And then Kane sees me pointing at nothing in the sky. So Kane points at nothing. Jane points at nothing. And then it's busy on the 4th of July. So there's a bunch of people. They start pointing at nothing. <laughs> All this crowd is pointing at nothing. And I just looked at them and I looked at Jane and I was like, <laughs> these people are pointing at nothing. They don't know what they're pointing at. There's nothing. It's sky. We're not pointing. We're not seeing anything. You got all these animals around you, exotic animals you can never see. And we're pointing at this sky. There's nothing. This is hilarious. You say, I don't know what I can do with my gifts and my talents. Can you point people to Jesus? You say, I, I don't have much that I can do. I can't paint. I can't organize something. I can't, I can't move stuff. Can you point people to Jesus? Can you simply be that person that just says, he's over at that church. You just go there. He's in this book. It's called the Bible. I know you're going through some stuff in your marriage. I know you're going through stuff with some addiction. I know you're going through some things. But, man, I don't have all the answers. You want to read some with me? You want to come over and have a Bible study? I'll cook you dinner or something. We just hang out and we just see what God's word has. You see, you don't have to have all the answers. And I, and I get it, church. We feel like I've got to have all the answers. You don't. Because none of us will ever have all the answers. Only Jesus does. And so our goal is to simply point people to him. And so here we need to understand that's what heroes do. Heroes are the type of people that we just say, you know what? I'm pointing people to Jesus. So we see that we're made to make a difference. To make a difference, we must arrest our indifference. We live in a society and a culture that's very indifferent where we're starting to divide ourselves based on race, based on class, based on gender, based on all these things. We're starting to divide each other up and we're starting to look at each other and judge each other. When we need to say, wait a minute, I can point you to Jesus because he can help you. I don't have all the answers, but I can point you to him. I can, I can do that. And that's the goal. That's what we need to be about. So the last thing, I want to end with a question. What will you do with what God's put in you? What will you do with what God's put in you? 
You see, all of us can do something. All of us have a role to play. You see, we want to look back on our life and we want to know that our life mattered, don't we? We want to look back on our life and say, I made my mark. I did everything I could. There was nothing left. I I did everything for my children, everything for my spouse. I did everything for my job. I did everything to leave uh, uh, an impact. I didn't just go through this life. It was gone. I don't just want to be a blip. I want to use my life. I want to use it for something that's going to matter beyond me. I want to leave an impact. I want to make a difference. That's what heroes do. You see, heroes solve problems. Heroes help people. And heroes make progress. So this morning, what are you doing to make that difference? We're, we're in a new chapter, church, and we're, we're so grateful we got some guests and visitors here. And we want you to come on this journey with us because we believe we can change our neighborhoods. We believe we can change our community. We believe that we can make a difference. We believe that we can see your life helped. We believe great things can be accomplished. If we simply say, God, I'm here, I'm made to make a difference, so I'm going to do it. And if you're still sitting back here and you're not sure what, what to do, understand, just take that step. Just take that step. You'll be surprised at how that one step turns into a second step and another step. And now we're seeing God use people in our church. They never thought they'd get to be used in that way. They never thought they might be speaking in front of our church. They never thought they'd be leading worship. They never thought that they'd be leading a ministry team. They never thought these things would ever happen, but God is using them. Why? Because they decided I will take one single step. You see, the greatest journey in your life begins with a step. And if you're holding back from that one step, you're missing out. We're not missing out. You're missing out. Do you hear me on this? The church is not missing out. You're missing out on God's best for you because you're wondering why your life is so discouraging. You're wondering why it's empty. And it's because it's all about this little circle that you're inside of. And I'm trying to tell you, God made you for more. Will you step outside of the circle and say, you know what? I can't help everybody, but I can help that person. I can help that person. I had a, one of our church members, they called me. And uh, he was like, hey, I bet you get calls all the time. And I was like, yeah, I, I do get calls all the time, but there's only three people that will actually answer their calls while I'm in my sermon study time. And I said, you're one of them. I can't do it for everybody, but I can do it for three. I can do it for three. I can't help everybody in this church, but I can help some. You can't help everybody in this world, but you can help some. And if I'm helping some, and you're helping some, and they're helping some, guess what? We just might help everybody. Do you see how it works? Do you see the impact we can have? You see, if you don't believe in the impact that we can have, then guess what? It may not be the place for you. You see, what we want to see is we want to make a difference. I got one life to live, and I'm going to give it all to see that lives are transformed. And that's our mission, is to help people find Jesus and become followers of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we want to make you invite you to take that first step. That's the greatest step. If you're not sure about this, we would love to talk to you more, but the greatest step you could take is to find Jesus. And verse number eight says, for by grace you're saved through faith. It's not of works. You see, God doesn't use you based on your works. You see, it's that he saved you not because of your works, but he saved you to do good works. You see, God wants to come into your life this morning. He wants to transform it. I don't know if you're having that thought in your mind, but maybe today you've been running from him. It's time to come back. Can I ask you to stand? And I want to give us a moment of privacy. And I'm going to ask, I know church may be different for you, but can you bow your head and close your eyes? I just want to talk to you for a minute. 
because I want to give you a moment where nobody else is looking around, but I want to invite you to uh, ask Jesus to be in your heart, to give your life to, to help you find Jesus. If you've never accepted him, Romans or Ephesians 2, 8 is your verse. That Jesus this morning is calling you. He wants you to make him the Lord of your life. And if you're saying this morning, I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. I've been running long enough. If that's you with nobody looking, would you slip up your hand? Can I pray for you? Is that you? I see that hand. Is there any other hand? I see that hand. Is there any other hands? I see that hand and that hand and that hand and that hand and that hand. Amen. Amen. And that hand, that hand. Praise God. You're making a decision. Now, here's what I want to do. Our church does it differently. We're going to all pray for the benefit of those who are coming to Jesus for the first time or coming back to Jesus in a long time. And so can we together uh, pray out loud? And you may be here and you may say, I'm already a Christian. I know you're doing this to help them, to help them make this decision. We're going to pray out loud and let's pray it together. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for my sin. Thank you for giving me a purpose for my life. Thank you for giving me a purpose for my life. Come into my life and wash me of my sin. Come into my life and wash me of my sin. Help me to live out my purpose. Help me to do all that you've called me to do. Thank you, Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen. Now, if you just made that prayer and you accepted Jesus Christ in your heart and you said, I asked him to be my savior today, would you slip up your hand so we could celebrate with you? Is that you? Let's celebrate with those that And that's the greatest decision they can make. And so we're going to sing about it. We're going to sing about how Jesus transforms lives. He's been transforming lives in this building and he's going to do it in the next building because we need to have a baptism service where you made a decision to accept Jesus Christ. So now the next step is I need to get baptized. And in your worship guide, there's a little card. You can check the box that says, I received Jesus, but you need to check the box that says, I need to get water baptized. I need to take that next step because we want to see you grow in your faith. We want to see you grow in your gifts. We want to see what God has for you because we believe the best is yet to come. We put it on all of our signs on the way out because we believe God has so much for you. It'll overwhelm you if you saw it on one picture because we believe the best is yet to come. Let's sing and let's worship him this morning.